Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. Well, this hope at work in us has a transformative power. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But how we behave, the decisions that we make, really are the fruit of this living and transformative hope in us. Even though you're still going to worry because your journey across the wilderness is going to give you many chances to get concerned, to feel anxious, even to experience sorrow because of the circumstances, because this is a wilderness. And God presents this to us to help us contrast between what He would like to provide for us and the reality of deciding not to live with God. We have to learn what that contrast is, that this world has consequences. Every choice that we make has a consequence. We as parents taught our kids those very things. Hey, if they touch the stove while it's hot, you're going to get burned. And sorry, I can't undo that. <laughs> it just happens. Those are the consequences of living. And so as we navigate through this wilderness, we learn about those consequences. But uh, even though we might experience some negative things here, as we read in First Peter, the fruit of that hope still is in us, despite how the flesh may react. And this is all oh, such great news, brothers and sisters. Hopefully, as we follow the scriptures and as we focus on the fruit of the Spirit, rather than the fruit of the flesh, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. We can see that the fruit of the Spirit is actually at work in us, as opposed to the fruit of the flesh. And here in Romans 5, 5, which is one of my favorite verses, the theme verse for today, this hope will not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, <laughs> there is a lot to unpack in this verse because first of all, God's love is big. God's love is huge. And now, in the other verse, when we, took, when we read about how hope can overflow in us, I mean, that's a big hope. God is unlimited in His resources, in His peace, and in His joy. How can me, being a finite person, experience something from God, something from the divine? That is overflowing. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how God's love has been poured into my heart. But He says it has through the Holy Spirit. And part of that is how this hope does not disappoint. How does that work? Well, I'm going to try my best here to share with you how I see this. See, the forces of evil in this dark world are constantly trying to derail our joy and fill us with dread. Isn't that so? I mean, as we navigate through this wilderness, constant things presenting to ourselves, trying to derail our joy, trying to take away our peace, trying to take away, trying to get us to conform to the world and to say, okay, you know what, I give up. I'm just, I can't beat them, join them, right? Have that mentality that so many other people have. But part of the armor of God that we don to fight this evil and triumph over it is the shield of faith, spoken of in Ephesians 6.16. 6, and hope and faith are very closely tied together, as I had already mentioned before, because we need to believe 
in order for this hope to overflow in us. We need to call on the Lord. We need to pray the Lord. We need to search Him with all our heart. A lot of that is our faith working. And that's the shield of faith that has been given to us to extinguish the arrows from the evil one. If our, if our shield of faith has shrunk because we stop believing or because our belief is not, is weak, then, you know, imagine you with a little shield, right? Trying to fight, <laughs> fight safe. That's going to be really hard. You're going to have to move really fast to try to get all the arrows that are coming around you. But as my faith grows and its development, it gets stronger. It can become a shield like the Romans had that can cover me from head to toe. And all I got to do is just kind of sit behind it. Where is your shield of faith? This hope is described as a hope that does not disappoint. As I shared with you a few weeks ago, I seldom liked to hope. That's my flesh for fear of being disappointed. But that's the catastrophist in me. I have a catastrophic mind. I think of the worst case scenario. And so oftentimes, because I'm thinking of the worst case scenario, I can't hope. Because hope would be to fool myself into thinking that everything is going to be fine. But that is at odds with the message presented to me here in this verse. I'm like, God, <laughs> I don't want to hope because I don't want to be disappointed. But you say that your hope will not disappoint. That's a challenge. That's a direct challenge for me. I am not hoping. I don't want to hope in what I can imagine, but in what God can do, which is more than I can ask for or imagine. So he asked me to take literally a leap, a leap of trusting in him, not trusting my eyes, what I'm seeing around me, not trusting how I may feel, because oftentimes our faith wavers with our emotions. And that ought not to be so. Our emotions, or it's our faith really that should keep in check our emotions. I just have to be patient to eventually accept what God is doing and what God can do in my life. So I can surrender to this hope that will not disappoint me. And so this in turn can fill me with some joy, the joy of the Lord, which as Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength as we face many, many different trials. This joy really is the product of a hope that does not disappoint. And that's going to be evident as that love of God that he says he gave us, he poured into our hearts the Holy Spirit, as that love of God is evident and how I serve, how I love my brothers and sisters, my neighbors, my family, as all that continues through me, powered by the Holy Spirit, because it's not powered by the flesh, because I'm sometimes going to be tired. Sometimes I may be disappointed. Sometimes I may not be joyful. But instead of acquiescing to the fruit of the flesh and obeying that fruit of the flesh, giving in to the fruit of the flesh, I have to make a constant decision and I have to be intentional in saying, no, I am going to trust God in this. And that intentionality, really believing that God is the God of hope, is how I squash that fruit of the flesh. So at times, there is going to be this duality living in us, as Paul explains in Romans chapter 7, that, you know, we're navigating this world of chaos, this wilderness, we're going to feel all kinds of ways, but at the same time, God has given us something that can overflow. So we have to make a decision. Am I going to allow the emotions and the chaos of the world 
overwhelm me? Is that how it will, I will overcome evil with good? As I shared with you a few weeks ago? Or am I going to be decisive and say, you know what? No, I'm going to call on the Lord. I'm going to pray to the Lord. I'm going to search Him with all my heart. I'm going to trust that the hope that He has given me is what is overflowing in me. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit who lives in me will bear His fruit. Even though my fruit is right there battling. And thank God that it is His fruit and not mine. Because that means He will do it. And that's how we need to trust the Lord. I know what my flesh is capable of. And sometimes I'm like, ah, well, I know what I can do is the whole, will the Holy Spirit bear His fruit? I don't have to question that anymore. I have to trust and say, yes, He will, because that is His promise. But I have to continue to walk this, this road of faith. Notice here what Paul tells the Romans in Romans 15, 13. Again, right? May the God of hope fill you. It's about filling us up. Joy and peace are those byproducts of hope. So when you're not feeling it, because at times it can happen. In tough times, you're turning to God in prayer. Why? Because you're not feeling the peace. <laughs> you're, you're turning to the scriptures. Why? Because you're not feeling the joy. And so sometimes we could trust a little too much what we're feeling. And I'm here to tell you and remind your brothers and sisters that those feelings, those emotions that you're experiencing that are anti-joy and anti-peace, don't allow that to drown the fruit of the Spirit in you because the joy and peace He's talking about here that you're going to be filled is a peace that surpasses understanding. It's not a, a peace that you get from the world. What did Jesus say? I give you peace and I don't give it to you like the world does. So it's a divine peace. Same thing goes for the joy. It's a joy that is not dependent on how we feel. Sometimes that gets confusing. Well, I don't feel joy and I don't feel peace. So I don't know what he's talking about. Well, that's, that's exactly right. It's not something that you're going to feel. It's going to be something that surpasses that. And I know many of you have experienced that, that in the midst of the heavy burdens and sorrows that you could carry, there is some sense of peace throughout all this. Because you know God's got it together for you. You're, you're navigating the ark. The waves are coming. They're crashing. You know, hey, this is God's ark. It's going to make it through. And we know and we trust that. That's one of the ways that this manifests in me. The, the fact that I know I am hanging on without wavering is the sense of peace and it's a sense of joy. I can smile even through some of the worst times. Even though I may not feel like smiling. Because I know God's got me. I know this is going to be a temporary setback or situation. What can really happen though is that if you are the kind of person that gets easily overwhelmed by that sense of sorrow and anxiety, you will drown out the fruit of the Spirit. As the Bible says, don't uh, allow, don't, don't make the Holy Spirit sorrowful, right? Don't cause Him to be sorrowful. That means you are able to do that. The Spirit is trying to produce a fruit in you. And instead of focusing on keeping in step with the Spirit, you're giving way to the flesh. Well, Paul talks all about that duality in Romans 7 and 8. And he says, don't do that. Because if you give yourself to the flesh, you're not going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's just not going to happen. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for you if that's what you're giving into. This hope also manifests as love and as good works, as the Hebrew author says here. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you demonstrated 
for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end. See, ultimately you need to realize that it's Jesus himself working this fruit in us to his glory. And I should continue doing this, as he says, demonstrating the same diligence. Because hope its was driving me. My full assurance, the fact that God's got my back in whatever situation. I should continue serving even when I don't feel like it. Because I don't serve myself anymore. But I am living for Christ. Dead to the world, alive to Christ. That's how we can do these things. Yes, you're going to feel, some people say, yeah, but that's not really me. I, I'm going to be a hypocrite. Well, that's a good hypocrite. You want to be a hypocrite to the flesh. You don't want to be that person that your flesh is saying, oh, no, this is who you are. No, that's not who I am. I want to be redefined in Christ, so I have to say no to the flesh. Am I, I might feel like I'm being a bit hypocritical, but that's a good thing because I don't want to be that person in the flesh anymore. I want to be ruled by the life and the living hope that is in me. Because I'm being made in that image. That's the image I want to conform to. I don't want to conform to the image of this person who may, you know, I could describe in many bad words. Lazy, uh, arrogant, selfish, a whole bunch of other things. That's not who I want to be. But that person and those emotions are constantly trying to hijack my hope and my joy and my peace. I can't let them do that. I have to continuously serve. Have you ever wanted to read the Bible in plain English, a language that you can actually understand and follow? Well, there is a translation like that called God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nations Mission Society. This is the only translation of the Bible in English that follows a dynamic equivalent translation philosophy. It makes the Bible very easy to understand and it flows very naturally in the English language. You can follow along my podcast where I read to you from God's Word translation for one whole year. You can search for the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast reader. Search for God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nation Mission Society. You can also look it up under my name, Pedro Gelibert. For it is God working in us. And this is an encouraging part here. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A few weeks ago, we talked about the mystery that was revealed to Paul and how he declared it in the scriptures and we can understand it if we read him. And part of this mystery, as he declares here to the Colossians, is Christ in us. A mystery, something that has been uncovered. Divine God living in human man. And he calls this the hope of glory. To the Philippians, he says something similar. He says, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to His good purpose. This is how God manifests His multifaceted wisdom and grace. In these vessels of clay, no wonder, yes, the flesh 
can be overcome by passions and desires. But we can stop that. We can overcome evil with good because God is the one working in us. And I love this because notice what it says here. He's working in me to will, meaning to want what He wants. Even in the midst of, of me wanting something else to be like the world, or wanting to be selfish, or, or wanting to satisfy my flesh in some way. Isn't it amazing that God in me can help me will Him and work in me to will the things that He wants to? That fills me with a lot of assurance. I don't need to get scared. If all of a sudden my heart is assaulting me constantly and this zombie is trying to get resurrected from the grave that I put it in, I don't have to be so concerned about that because God is working in me precisely to quash that and to work according to His good purpose. Brothers and sisters, it is God who is working in you. In you. And He is bigger then all the things you think are in you that can try to defeat that work that he's doing. He's bigger than that. The only way Satan can derail you is if he gets to convince you to stop hoping and to throw in the towel and to say, you know what? I don't see it. Because God says, hey, I got you. I'm here. Do it. And finally, point number three. Hope's transformative power. There are challenges we face in maintaining this hope amidst trials and uncertainties. However, we're reminded of hope's transforming power. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Now, if, if joy was a feeling, then it would be really hard for God to command us to feel a certain way, right? You can't command somebody or force somebody to feel a particular way. But this is proof that this rejoicing, this joy, is not a feeling. It's not tied to an emotion of sorts. Because you can rejoice in hope even when you're completely hopeless. Isn't that what Abraham taught us when the scripture says he hoped against hope? Because he looked at his body and says, I'm dead, but God says I'm going to have a son? Okay, <laughs> let it be done. And so Abraham showed us how to hope against hope, as the, as the scripture says. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. No matter what, hope can cause us to rejoice even in the most bitter moment. We just have to be patient. Sometimes it's not going to come right away. Don't give up doing good. Don't give up being in the word. Be patient through the affliction that you're going through. Wait on the Lord. Persist in prayer because that joy is going to manifest itself. Faith and perseverance play a role in nurturing our hope as James reminds us because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James starts out by saying, consider it great joy when you experience various trials. So again, he talks about joy. Think of joy when you're going through the tough moments in your life. Joy plays an essential role in helping us endure it. And then he says here, because you know, you should know this by now, if you're not a new Christian. Many of us have been Christians for a while. And so when these trials come, 
We should remember why they are coming and why we're having it. We shouldn't say like, oh, why is this happening to me? I don't understand why I'm going through this. Hey, we've been in this for a while, some of us, many of us. We know, we should know that the testing of our faith is to produce endurance. We need to endure. We're being transformed to endure, like training for a marathon. Marathons are about endurance. How long can I stand in here? So God is training us to endure, and the fruit of that is maturity, is completion. That is why some of us are more mature than others. Is that true, that some of us here present are more mature than others? Absolutely true, because some of us here have endured more than others. We each have endured different things in life. Some of you have endured three lifetimes of what someone else has endured, and that should make you three times more mature and complete than somebody else that may not have gone through those things. But don't worry about it. It's not about maturity. It's about God getting us there together. Some of you shine with maturity and completeness because you've allowed that endurance to produce its full effect. You have surrendered to God and to the fruit of the Spirit shining in you. So brothers and sisters, we need to cultivate this hope. How do we do that? Through prayer. We need to be persistent in prayer. We need to pray to the Lord as God Himself told Israel, pray to me, search me with all your heart, studying the Scriptures and fellowshipping with the saints to be reminded of what we have, this overflowing hope. Don't yield to your own pity parties. Don't say, woe is me. Don't think that you're a victim. Don't go along with that role of being victimized because that is not a winning mentality. That is not an overcomer mentality. Don't focus on yourself. Remember, who can be at work in you if you've taken that first step of obedience? God is the one at work in you. It's not about you. It's about the work God is doing in you for His purposes. And I'll have one scripture here to remind you as we close out. 1 John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who's the them here? That's the spirit of the Antichrist who surrounds you in this chaos world, in this wilderness. All these evil spirits, all, this, all these attitudes that are from the devil, that are constantly trying to usurp your peace. You have conquered them, he says here. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Isn't that, isn't that so reassuring? We have overcome evil. God is greater than us. So Jesus paid it all. He conquered. He's interceding for us at this very moment. He powers that hope that you have. He is at work in us, working to will and to work. His good purpose. God is doing a work in you. Will you be a footnote in God's story? Or will you be in a supporting role with the protagonist of this story who is God Himself? And finally, hope's transformative power. Rejoice as this endurance is working in you. Remember that endurance has to have its full effect. Sometimes we like to take shortcuts. 
You can't take a shortcut from the training of faith. If you have to go through it five years, <laughs> then five years it'll be. If you have to go through it in two, in two. But don't give up. Cultivate this hope that will not disappoint. Always ask God for guidance in living out a hopeful life because you are His representative. You are from God, as John says here. And the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What kind of people we ought to be when we're interacting with our co-workers and in the schools and when we're with our families. We should be people that overflow with hope. And if that's not happening in your life right now, maybe you need to think, well, how am I sabotaging this hope that the Holy Spirit wants to create in me? Am I doing it because I'm constantly focusing too much on the negative, like me, a catastrophist? Or is it because I'm too focused on what I need, what I want, and not so much on what God can do in me? There's a lot of ways that this could be working in you to sabotage that joy, that hope, that peace that you should exude from you. Whatever it is, come forward and give it to God in prayer. We have our elders here with us this afternoon. Take advantage of this and unload these things because there's nothing more that God wants to do than to have you overflow with hope. Have a good afternoon. God bless. Mm -hmm.